the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast. How are you? I'm your host, Nick DiGilio. It's episode 184 of the Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast network in the world. You should check out all the great podcasts that are available here at RadioMisfits.com. A bunch of incredible, varied, uh, entertaining, informative, funny, great podcasts that you can check out. There's also a 24-7 streaming service. It's like a radio station, only much cooler. 24-7. Go to it. Radiomisfits.live. You can hear all the podcasts. You can hear all this unheard music from the Unheard Music Show, Unsigned Bands. Great new music, great podcasts, including mine. You can hear this podcast every day at 3 p.m. Central, and you can hear my other podcast, my Saturday Night Live podcast. That show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast, every day at 9 a.m. Central, along with all the other great podcasts. So make sure you check out our live streaming service, RadioMisfits.live and be a part of uh, Radio Misfits. Uh, be a part of this podcast. We would love you to advertise on this podcast. Um, uh, lots of people listen to this podcast. A lot of people do. You want to sponsor us? That'd be fantastic. Get your sponsorship in here now. We want you. You want us. Let's do it. Say, hey, I have something I want to sponsor. I want something I want to advertise on the Nick D podcast. Write us sales at RadioMisfits.com. If you would like to uh, leave us a voicemail in general at this podcast, I have a voicemail system set up specifically for you to call up anytime you want, anytime you want to say something, contribute, anything you want, request a magic megaphone request, all that stuff. The voicemail message is up 24-7. I check it all the time. I listen to them. I pay them back. 773-417-6948. Any voicemail message you want to send us, do it now. 773-417-6948. Email address, nickdpodcast at gmail.com with any requests or comments contributions, questions for our guests, anything you want to jump in here with uh, concerning the podcast, we want to hear from you. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Coming up on this podcast, it's time for our bi-weekly visit with film critics Eric Childress and Steve Procopi. Uh, we, interview, we, we review movies every couple of weeks. There's not a lot coming out this week, uh, so we will discuss that. But um, this week, the Chicago International Film Festival has begun. It's the 59th annual Chicago International Film Festival, and it lasts from October 11th through October 22nd. A lot of incredible premieres, uh, movies from around the world, animated films, short films, documentaries, dramatic films, comedies. Every kind of movie you can possibly imagine will be screened at a bunch of different locations across the city uh, until October 22nd. It's a great event. Uh, one of my favorite events of the year, and you get to see a lot of really cool movies before they open to the public, and some that uh, might not even open. A lot of really great stuff. Filmmakers and actors and actresses and writers from around the world will be there. It's an incredible festival that is now underway here in the city, and Eric and I will talk about some of the movies that we have seen, some that we're looking forward to. We will cover in-depth the Chicago International Film Festival as well as review a couple of new movies. Esmeralda Leon will join me, as she always does, and uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. And we also want to talk in depth, a little bit more in depth, about Zanies, about our next gig at uh, Zanies in Rosemont, which is happening on Tuesday, October 24th. 
please come out. It's going to be fantastic. Me, Esmeralda, will be on stage having fun. You'll be a part of the show. Get in there. We've got some Halloween candy we're going to be giving away. We're going to be talking about scary stuff and scary movies, and we're going to interview you and talk to you. It's all going to be a part of a live podcast recording at Zanies in Rosemont. You can go to rosemont.zanies.com to get your tickets now. They're on sale. Let's pack the place. Let's jam the place. We're going to have a good time. Every time we've done these live shows at Zanies in Rosemont, it's been great. Everybody's had a great time. We have a bunch of laughs. It's interactive. We have great guests. Uh, my dad comes up and tells a joke uh, at the end of the show, which is always the highlight. Actually, several jokes. He tells three, actually. Um, and all the people at Zanies, we have just a great time. Good food, good drink, all great times. Easy to get to, easy parking. It's a convenient, awesome place, one of the greatest comedy clubs in the world, and we are going to give you a great show, and you're going to be a part of it. Interactive, you'll win some prizes. We've got gift certificates from the greatest restaurant on the planet, the Gale Street Inn, to give away. We've got gift certificates, gift cards from Apt Electronics to give away. Great trivia. And our special guest is Andrea Darlis, the one, the only, the great Andrea Darlis. I used to work with her back in the day for many, many years at WGN. She now appears on WLS. She's got a podcast called Show and Tell that's awesome. And she's a regular on the Steve Cochran Morning Show, which you can hear every weekday morning from 5.30 to 9 a.m. I'm also a part of that. I'm the film critic for that for that uh, uh, show as well. But Andrea Darlis, who's an incredible professional, unbelievable broadcaster, TV star, radio star, She's magnificent and hilarious and awesome. She's going to be on stage with me and Esmeralda. You'll be there. It's going to be great. So come on out for an unbelievable full night of incredible entertainment and laughter. And you need to be there. It's one night only. So pack the place. Bring your friends. Bring your relatives. Bring people you hate. Jam the place. Have a good time. Win some prizes. Have some laughs. We'll eat some Halloween candy and talk about scary stuff. It's the Nick D Podcast Live, one night only, October 24th. Zanies in Rosemont. Doors open at 6.30. The show is at 7.30. Rosemont.zanies.com. The Nick D Podcast. Get your tickets now. You can call the box office to get tickets or reservations or to ask questions. 847-813-0484. The Nick D Podcast. One night only. Andrea Darlis, special guest. Me, Esmeralda, my dad. Amazing. Hilarious. Awesome. Tuesday, October 24th. Zanies in Rosemont. Get your tickets now at rosemont.zanies.com. We're very excited about that show. And you know who else is excited? And she's always excited. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Yes, she does. So she won't be there. She's going to be here Hi, at, uh, I'm hanging Carrie out. Russell, and I love Nick's show. You know, keeping an eye on the place while I'm, uh, I'm out there uh, in Rosemont, making you guys laugh and giving away great prizes and having a good time. And it all will be recorded for a podcast in the future. So the Nick D Podcast Live, Tuesday, October 24th, Zanies in Rosemont. Show at 7.30, rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now. Let's pack that place. It's going to be great. All right. Chicago International Film Festival has begun. We're going to give you all the details on that and a couple of other new movies. That's all coming up right after I tell you this important thing with this amazing book. Hey there. Are you tired of that same old, the same old stories? Well, buckle up because Brian Alaspas Devoured. Yeah, that's right. Brian Alaspas Devoured is about to take you on a wild ride. St. Louis is teetering on the edge with riots, unrest, and the mayor's downright stubborn insistence that the 4th of July must go on. But don't tell that to public safety manager Logan Field. He's got problems bigger than the most overcooked barbecue. With a deadly attack, a missing boy, and mysterious events that make your Aunt Sally's ghost stories look like a fairy tale, something sinister is brewing in the city. Logan's at his wit's end. The only help he can find is a struggling hunter and a professor who's a whiz with ancient evils. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, right? But there's nothing funny about what's awakening in St. Louis. So join the race against time as this unlikely trio faces down 
and evil is all this time itself. Think your commute's tough? Try saving a city from being, you guessed it, devoured. Brian Alaspa's Devoured will have you laughing and gasping and frantically flipping pages. So grab some popcorn, turn down those lights, and dive into a world where saving the city just might be the craziest 4th of July ever, and trust us, it's more exciting than a sparkler, and the only thing that might get burned is the midnight oil as you read till dawn. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Thrilling, chilling, and the perfect way to spice up your summer. It's available now in paperback for Kindle exclusively through Amazon.com. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackal. All right. Well, you know what that sound means. That music means it was time to review some movies and uh, and jump back into it with uh, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi, who uh, review movies with me here on uh, the podcast on a regular basis. So we're very excited about that. Lots of stuff to talk about. The uh, Chicago International Film Festival began a couple of nights ago. It's the 59th annual uh, Chicago International Film Festival. There are a ton of movies that are being shown, a lot of uh, celebrities and a lot of events. We'll talk a little bit about that. We've seen some of the movies uh, that um, shall be shown throughout the, uh, the festival. Um, and we'll talk about the ones that we've seen and review a little bit of those and give you a, an update and some details about how uh, you can see some really cool movies at the festival. Um, uh, um, spread out at, about the, at a few locations, but we'll tell you uh, some of that stuff coming up. Uh, and uh, it's movie review time, so let's say hello to the guys. First, let's say hello to Eric Childress. Hello, Eric. Hello, everyone. Uh, hi, and here is Steve Procopi. Hello, Steve. Hello there. All right, there's Steve. There's Eric. Uh, Eric, let's start with you. Give everybody the background to where they can hear your stuff and see and read your reviews and all that other stuff. Yes, over at the Now Play Network, uh, I have a couple podcasts. One, the Movie Madness podcast, where we talk about movies and Blu-rays. Steve Procopi uh, is a regular uh, weekly guest on the show, as is Peter Subzinski. Uh, and then also uh, the Friendship Dilemma, the podcast that I co-host with Morgan Geyer. Uh, where we talk about male and female friendships in the movies, and we have a brand new episode uh, dropping today on Spike Jones's Her. We talk about that, uh, and you can also read my box office thoughts over at Rotten Tomatoes every Monday afternoon. Okay. Make sure you check all that stuff out. And Steve, uh, where, what about you? Yeah, uh, you can read my print reviews and uh, interviews at thirdcoastreview.com. Uh, like Eric said, I'm on the Movie Madness podcast every week where we just review everything we saw that week. And then also I'm going to be spending an inordinate amount of time at the Music Box Theater in the next couple of weeks, but I'm usually there. Uh, with some regularity, where I'm the PR manager. Right. Well, and you know, there's there. You, know, you guys always have special stuff happening uh, at the Music Box, and uh, as we uh, as we talk about this, um, you know, obviously the the bride of the Music Box of Horror um, <laughs> Halloween Festival uh, continues, where every night of the week you guys show a horror movie of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whether it be weird or strange or straightforward or hilarious or awesome, but uh, you're there for that. And there are all kinds of uh, special screenings that are happening. But also, uh, the Music Box Theater uh, is one of the host 
uh, venues for the aforementioned Chicago International Film Festival. So there's a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you held the uh, the opening night festivities there. There are some other screenings that are happening. The closing night film is going to be there as well. We'll talk a little bit about that. But yeah, you can check out Steve there as well. So uh, those are all the places where you can check stuff out. Uh, we'll get to the Chicago International Film Festival uh, stuff coming up. Uh, uh, it, it started two nights ago and uh, runs through the 22nd of October. Tons of movies are being shown, and we'll get into some of the ones that we have seen, some of the things that we're looking forward to as well. But regular movies, there aren't that many. Um, and uh, because no one dare release a movie <laughs> um, on the same day that fucking Taylor Swift releases a movie. Uh, so this is just Taylor Swift thing. I'm sorry, I'm not a Swifty. I don't follow uh, the Swifty and I know, or the Tay-Tay or whatever people fucking call her. Um, good, I'm, you like her? God bless you. I just could not fucking care. And, and the football player, she's banging a football player. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, that's really great. I don't care. Um, but she's got a concert movie that, that is coming out today. Um, and it's going to... Well, okay, now, now, Eric, as you mentioned, you mm-hmm. do cover box office. You, you do it mm-hmm. for uh, Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, you've been covering box office forever. Uh, for many, many years, weekly, on my show my radio show, we would cover in detail the box office. So you've been covering uh, box office stuff and the numbers for a long time. And it's something that you're, that, uh, that you, that you're, uh, you're really good at and that you study and you know your Thank shit you. when it comes to box office. <laughs> what is the projected uh, numbers for this goddamn Taylor Swift thing? And uh, what are we looking at here? I mean, it's millions and millions, right? That's the... Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. For one, we have a little bit of a cheat sheet going into this because we have already know that the advanced sales on this movie uh, are in excess of $100 million. Jeez. So we're going to see a $100 million weekend for this movie. Now, where it goes from there is kind of anybody's guess because, I mean, this really, you know, as much studying as you can put into the numbers uh, out there, this is kind of an unprecedented thing. It's already outgrossed every concert film that's ever existed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the, the film, it's also not starting on Thursday. It didn't start on Thursday nights. The shows, show times are not starting until six o'clock this evening on Friday. And also the tickets uh, prices are specialized for her brand. So like, IMAX or like adult screenings are like nineteen dollars and eighty nine cents. You know, after one of her albums, uh, and I think oh, the thir- right, thir- right. thirteen dollars for whatever the other tier price is, whatever, because thirteens are another thing having to do with Taylor Swift. I'm not a Swifty too, if you can uh, understand yeah, that. But it's, I don't, it's I don't, because I don't, it's thirteen years of a career. That's why she's been. Is in that this what it is? Years. Okay. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Because I see that commercial all the time where 13 is her lucky number. Uh, so I, that's yeah. all about all I know. Uh, uh-huh. Okay, great. Wonderful. Uh, so, so, I mean, originally it was supposed to be like going to be like just a limited event. It was just going to be like a weekend thing. Now, obviously, it's going to expand multiple weeks. Uh, I mean, right. what I'm saying right now is I don't think there's going to be any movie released the rest of this year that matches whatever this Taylor Swift concert film makes. And all the blockbusters, all your Hunger Games, your Aquamans, all the big ones that are coming out, nothing is going to top this movie. The question is just how high it's going to go, including this weekend. I mean, right now, Barbie has the highest opening weekend ever at $162 million. Hmm. Uh, I, it, it wouldn't surprise me if we're in a number around there yeah. uh, by the end of this weekend. I think some people are probably are hedging their bets and thinking around like $125, 135 range. 
but who the hell knows? I mean, yeah. show times are limited. It's a three-hour running time. Uh, the, everything's going to be jammed this weekend. They're already sold out all over the place. So it's just how it's going to go going forward. But I wouldn't yeah. be surprised this thing makes three hundred million. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. You know, the, if she had any, if she if she had any decency, she would include Amsterdam in this release. She had any goddamn decency. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Maybe there's a shout out in the background. Maybe there's like a uh, yeah. Las Vegas sphere like shout out where she gets or, run over a car. I was gonna say in a, in the in, in in the concert film she could at least get run over by a truck. That would be fantastic if that happened. Uh, but yeah, all right. Be a well, twist ending. Yeah, it certainly it certainly would. All don't right. Well, pretend like you don't know because you're not going, so it might yeah, happen. You don't. Know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's true. I mean, we'll it might happen. Know. I'm not. I'm not. Unless, and if if somehow they were like, "Hey, you get a chance to see uh, Amsterdam on the big screen in IMAX," I'd be like, "Well, I don't know. Maybe. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know." Uh, anyway, so the Taylor Swift is going to be the big movie thing this weekend, next weekend, and so on and so forth because everybody somehow loves her. I think she's a perfectly lovely girl. Uh, I I will say this. Uh, I'll, I'll, about eleven years ago, she hosted SNL, and I thought she was fantastic. That's all. That's you know. Huh. So I got, I don't know, I got nothing. I got nothing. I just don't give a shit. So, uh, all right, so millions and millions of dollars are going to go to the Swifty. So as a result, there aren't really a lot of movies to talk about today. Um, they moved up the Exorcist uh, move, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, release from this week to last week, which uh, we all three saw, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. uh, the hours, the first hour's not bad, but then the rest of it is just uh, unbearably bad. Um, and so, and that's making... Uh, not great money, right, Eric? Is it? It's doing okay, right? I mean, if you put it in the context of how much the movie costs, which is r- roughly thirty million, they're saying. Uh, I mean, it did like twenty six million last week. It's it's not a horrible number. It's yeah. not what they wanted. I mean, it's a more disappointing than it is like some travesty. But Blumhouse and Universal paid four hundred million dollars for the rights. To the Exorcist, oh, oh my God. so they're gonna have to put do a lot of exorcisms over yeah. the years to make yeah. that back, and they're already talking about. I mean, it seemed like these films uh, after the release uh, of last weekend, they're already talking that the next sequel is either is they have to change it up, like they have to yeah. go a different direction. Yeah, you uh, think? And I wouldn't. I think they might end up going streaming too. Yeah, no. So, that, it, well, listen. What in in, in compared to because David Gordon Green for people who might not know David Gordon Green um, uh, and uh, he he co-wrote and he directed this. And for people who don't know, he used to be a good filmmaker who now makes bad horror movies. Um, well, yeah. I liked I liked Halloween Ends, uh, but uh, are we talking uh, the, the these this, uh, the Exorcist? It didn't do Halloween numbers like his Halloween movies made more, correct? All of them, yeah. All the Halloween movies made more, even the last two, which were also on streaming yeah. at the time. Uh, yeah. So like the opening for the Exorcist, I mean the the open, I mean everyone was expecting it to be over thirty million. Uh, before the reviews came out, yeah. uh, and then the reviews came out, and it ended up doing like twenty six. The audience score is not g- good at all. Uh, so I mean, this thing's gonna tank yeah. this weekend uh, yeah. with, with the Taylor Swift thing on top of it. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a also it's a bad movie. It's just, it is <laughs> so um, it's a bad and it's movie. A, and and I think it's the and I gotta say uh, there have officially been what six. Six Exorcist movies now. Yes, officially and six. Officially movies. six, and, and not including the TV show, which I actually uh, enjoyed. Uh, sure. Same. <laughs> the yeah. Fox show, which I actually enjoyed because uh, it was so in- ridiculous that I loved it. Um, and this one, inclu- and I'm including fucking Heretic. This is the worst of the six movies. Yes. And the, Ren- Rennie Harlan made a better Exorcist movie, and I know you guys yes, are not a big 
aren't as big Rennie Harlan fans as I am, but he made a Betty Exorcist movie. It's the worst of the six, and I still kind of like the first hour of it. So I guess I like everything Exorcist. Because I, <laughs> I guess that's what it is. I actually thought the first hour of this Exorcist, this new Exorcist movie, was pretty good. I thought the buildup was nice. And then it all and and this how often does this sentence happen? It never happens, really. I don't think I don't think any human has ever said this. But the wheels fall apart when Alan Burstyn shows up, and that yeah. never happens. Yeah. But you know what no. I mean? Like, when it's do you use that sentence ever? Because most of the time, when Alan Burstyn shows up, a movie either gets better or is more awesome because of that. But like, no. what they do with Chris McNeil, the character, is un. Fucking forgivable. What the, the way they, the way yep. they, the the way the character is written, the way that she. I mean, it's awful what they do. It's yeah. like shitting on the the you know the the heritage of that character. It's like they had like. Well, I'm not surprised. It was probably Danny. I'm taking the. Uh, I'm taking this. Uh, I'm saying this this idea. The way that the Chris McNeil character. That was the stuff that Danny McBride wrote. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's that's all there is to it. So well, all right. this is David Gordon Green's thing. He's just he brings in his legacy characters and then puts them in a hospital for most of the movie. Yeah, that's true. That's his thing. But I mean there's there are moments uh, in this movie that that Ellen Burson, I'm like, what the fuck? You know, and I and, and God bless her, man, because she's Ellen Burson. She could do whatever the fuck she wants because she's a goddamn legend. And you know, and she got paid. She's 91, you know, cool. But <laughs> man, I mean, she had to at one point read this and go, hey, listen, this is not at all how Chris McNeil would <laughs> Would yeah. act or or where her character would end up at one point. She's conducting an exorcism. What the fuck is going on? You know, it's just yeah. even uh, though she was never she in the room when that happened. And she no, says exactly. it like, you, "What are you doing here? What are you yeah. doing here? Why yeah. are you in the room? Get out of here!" <laughs> it's so ridiculous. All right. Anyway, uh, besides, <laughs> we, we, we didn't get a chance to review. We didn't get a chance to review that one, so that's why we're kind of a. Uh, uh, but yeah. anyway, and we won't even get into the adventure of trying to see the movie as a critic in Chicago because that was. Yeah. <laughs> That was <laughs> that was a lot of fun. So anyway, uh, but it'll get demol. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It all doesn't matter because Taylor Swift's going to stomp all over that shit this weekend. Yep. So it doesn't matter. The okay. next Exorcist title is ex- the Exorcist Deceiver. By the way, yeah. Just in case you were wondering, so I can't wait. Can't so wait. They, they're going to rhyme apparently. <laughs> oh great! All right. <laughs> Shit. All right. Well, there's not as a result, there aren't really any new movies to talk about. So we're going to talk about one new movie that is also available streaming and we'll play some theaters. Uh, And then a movie that doesn't come out till next week that Eric hasn't seen, but Steve and I have. um, And it doesn't come out till next week. But I really want to talk about it. And then the other stuff we're going to talk about is Chicago International Film Festival uh, movies that we've seen already and just give you a rundown on some of that. So let's get into it. Uh, The first movie we're going to talk about is a film with Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, It's called The Burial. And what streaming services? Why am I blanking on what streaming services? Amazon. Oh, it's Amazon. Amazon. Okay, cool. So it's it's available on Amazon Prime and it's also in some movie theaters. And it's called The Burial. All three of us have seen it. So Eric, tell us about The Burial. Yes, uh, and this story is uh, based on a true story. It happened in uh, 1995, uh, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones plays Jeremiah O'Keefe, who is uh, a funeral uh, homeowner. He owns uh, uh, like a, a basically a chain, a series of funeral homes uh, in the South, and uh, something that he wants to uh, continue on in his family and leave as a legacy for his many children. I think. I think he's got 11 children, 11 or 13. There's a lot of children uh, not seen in this movie. But anyway, uh, so he's got a lot of kids. 
and he's a little behind in keeping enough cash on hand in one of his necessary accounts, a deal that's set up, I guess, for funeral homes or the government or contract that he has or something like that. Uh, so he needs uh, some a cash influx uh, very quickly. Uh, and his lawyer, uh, played by Alan Ruck, recommends uh, that he sells a few of his uh few of his homes to this uh, company, this sort of this chain comp uh, company that's buying up funeral homes across the country and making his own enterprise uh, uh, named Ray, Lew Ray Lewin, uh, Lewin Company, played by uh, Bill Camp. Uh, and so he, they get a deal in principle to uh, sell like three of the homes to him uh, with also the, the prospect that he won't sell burial insurance because that's where a good portion of Jones's uh, uh, capital comes from. They agree to that in principle, they shake on it, and then months and months go by and there's he's still not signing the contract uh, and it leads him into a place where it, uh, you know he might end up losing everything and might have to declare bankruptcy even. Uh, so he bait with a uh, another lawyer, a young lawyer that's a friend of his son played by uh, Mamadou Ati. Uh, they go to see this uh, lawyer and uh, this other lawyer played by Jamie Foxx who specializes in personal injury. He's been on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Uh, he's a, you know, a television lawyer but very good one. Apparently he wins all the time. They go to see him, and even though it's not necessarily, it's not a lot of money uh, for what the normal cases that he that he normally takes. Uh, Willie is eventually talked into taking this case, uh, seeing that going after this one guy could amount to a nine-digit figure uh, settlement. Uh, so the the, the the story goes on, and he, he takes the case, even though he has no uh, practice in contract law, uh, and he goes up against uh, another lawyer played by Journey Smollett, who is brought in by the Lewin Company, uh, because they can see that they kind of start playing chess with each other, they see that they're going to be playing a race angle uh in regards to this even though all the the participants all the owners uh are white uh but they see the, the these race angles in the county that they're going to be uh having the case in uh and they start playing these games uh, of race but it turns out to be not a game so much as race even though it seems to be uh just a, a legal maneuvering at first ends up being uh, a, a sort of a crucial part of how the the loan company uh, deals their uh, or you know has conducted business over the years and basically uh, cozying up uh, to certain communities and then basically screwing them out or giving them only a fraction of what they're worth. Uh, so th as this case goes on, it's you know it becomes this, this very this underdog story. Uh, that again, we've you know we've seen stories like this many times before in the past, uh, and you know whether or not Jamie Foxx is just an ambulance chaser or really believes in this, uh, the story then really becomes about these two men and how the, uh, the these uh, communities in the South are treated by these bigger businesses, and that's the thing that I ended up really grasping onto. Uh, I really liked. The performance by Jamie Foxx in this is not just uh, just just a, he's a slick guy, but he's got some, some real vulnerabilities about him and how he con uh, conducts his business and realizes that he might not be up to this challenge all the time. And he admits when he, he's wrong and has these flaws. Uh, I really like the relationship that develops between Fox and Jones. And there are a lot of really uh, interesting character moments that the movie stops to take time away from the court case. And it just doesn't become this 
where we're stuck in the courtroom for two hours. Uh, we get these real, you know, sort of personal family moments and whatnot. Even though I think between Fox and Jones, their characters have like 24 kids between them. Or what? Fox, <laughs> Fox has like three kids. He comes from a family of like 11 kids, and Jones has like 13 kids. So there's a lot of children that they add up at one point. But we, we, that was one thing I thought was kind of funny that we almost never see or hear from anyone uh, in their brood, even though uh, Jones is trying to keep uh, the, this whole thing into uh, company in his family. For, Wait, you know, for is, their, do, the is there like, is there lawn activity happening in some yeah, ways? It's, they're, they're actually trimming trees out front, but it doesn't look like they have very much, so it should be done in a second. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. the, trees, the trees are already anyway. down. They're just putting the branches in the uh, shredder. Putting the branches in the, in the, the shredder. Call. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Look to see if uh, Peter Stormare throws uh, Steve yeah, Buscemi yeah. in there uh, <laughs> at, at any point. All right. Uh, well, uh, there's some, there, while there's stuff happening at, uh, at, Steve, at Steve's place, uh, <laughs> It'll be done in a second. They're almost already okay. moving it. So anyway, okay. okay. Uh, all right. So, so all right, Eric, go ahead. You were saying. Yeah. So, I mean, all, 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 last, last thing I'll say about it, the, the only thing I think I was kind of disappointed with the film uh, is the fact that Tom Lee Jones' wife is played by Pamela Reed, who I don't think we, I, at least I can't recall, have seen in a while. And it was yeah. just great to see her when she popped up. And she doesn't get a lot to do in the movie, so that's a little bit disappointing. Uh, but as a whole... Uh, I really enjoyed The Burial. I think it's kind of a good old-fashioned story that uh, is has a, some really good, interesting things to say, and I really like the performances by Fox and Jones in it. Yeah. And by the way, I'm glad you brought up Pamela Reed because I love Pamela Reed. I yes. love her very, very much. And like mm -hmm. you, I was thrilled to see her. And the last time that I regularly saw her in anything was uh, in uh, Parks and Rec. She played um, Leslie Nope's mom in right. Parks and Rec. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was the last, like, regular. But I love her, going all the way back to the right stuff and, like, the best of times. I have been a mm -hmm. huge fan of hers, and it was great to see her. But I agree with you, uh, Eric. I would have liked to have seen more of her. Uh, yes. So, anyway. All right. Uh, Steve, what did you think of The Burial? I, I was I was very pleasantly surprised at how much I liked this. And it, and more than more than anything, I would think I was just happy to see Tommy Lee Jones give a shit about, like, yeah. the role he's playing. Because I don't feel like – I feel like he's just showing up and getting the paycheck and then i mean i know it's a cliche but that's he really made it feel that way sometimes and here he is like invested there's a scene i believe it's at jamie fox's mother's house where tommy lee jones goes to visit him to fire basically to downgrade him i think it is not being primary attorney because they had a bad day in court one day and there's just a conversation that two of them have that i was like transfixed i'm like wow look at them just like bonding and the and the chemistry between them is important in this film both because they are two very different guys have very different approaches when it comes to business and and law and everything um and just but they're they're they bond over the way that they see their families and see their they want a legacy for their families and that's really what this movie ends up being about is tommy lee jones isn't fighting for money he's fighting to have something to give to his kids and grandkids and that, that really hit me. I, I should mention the director's a, a woman named, and co-writer uh, is a woman named Maggie Betts, who did a phenomenal movie a few years ago called Novitiate. Uh, that we, I think, Eric, we, did we both see that at Sundance? I, I know I did, but... I saw it at um, Sundance, yeah. Yeah, so that, that and I and she hasn't done anything since, and, I'm, and that was like six years ago. Um, so I'm really glad that she's back on the boards. Uh, the, the piece, the, the film is adapted from a New Yorker article um, from the period, which I think we actually even see sort of being put together in this in this movie. 
um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a complex that the, the trial brings out like a web of things having to do with race and power and injustice and like a family business versus a corporate behemoth. Um, I think I think Bill Camp is really great here. I think he's great in everything, but he's he's really good here. Is this this guy who can't help himself but feel superior and want to show off his wealth during like every possible chance he gets? And it, you know, it comes back to bite him in the ass. And you mentioned, and you mentioned Mamadou Ati. He's, he's also very good in this as the sort of young attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was like, who, why do I know this guy? And I realized he was in like the, I think the last Jurassic world, but he's also does the voice of, of Wade in Elemental, the last Pixar movie. So, which I would not have remembered, but. Oh um, God. Anyway. Yeah. I didn't even remember yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So anyway, he, he's terrific. And I, yeah, I, I, I loved what he does in this movie. And again, very much a counterpoint to what Jamie Foxx is doing. Um, and what Foxx is doing is really interesting because he starts out like he's just being all about Flash, like Eric mentioned, the lifestyles of the rich and famous piece, which is hysterical. Um, but then as the film goes on, he dials it back and there's nuances revealed and it becomes like a genuine character study of, of both of these lead characters. So, yeah, I I was really impressed with the burial. Yeah, me too. I was unbelievably surprised by this. I was just like, okay, you know, because I mean, so, you know, with the with the streaming services, although you know, they, there are a lot of good movies that go straight to streaming, and and I mean, I mean, that's it's as viable a place now to make a movie as anything. You know, um, mm-hmm. they get they get Oscar nominations, they get a lot of consideration. But sometimes I'm looking at this and I'm like, Jamie, and I'm not, a, I've never been, and people who are regular listeners. Back when I was on the the car wash and to this podcast, they know you guys know I'm not a, I'm not a Jamie Foxx fan at all. Right. I'm, I'm not. I never have been. I don't think he's funny. I never liked him. I like him here and there sporadically at best. I didn't like him in Ray uh, very much, and I was especially pissed off because Paul uh, Giamatti got fucked over that year because of that whole thing. And so I've always I've always like blamed him uh, for that. Um, so I'm not a big fan of Jamie Foxx, but I think this is the best performance he's ever given. I think it's the best thing. I think it's the most nuanced, and um, I really think it's great work, and I don't think he's a good actor, and I think Jamie Foxx is good. And, and like you said, uh, Steve, Tommy Lee Jones is not grumpy ass, I don't give a shit, Tommy Lee Jones mm-hmm. in this movie. It's a terrific performance. And, you know, he's a guy who's been acting forever, and he's getting up there, and this is one of the best performances he's given in a very, very long time. Yeah. So you got two great lead performances, a really interesting script, uh, with these two actors, uh, you know, doing really cool stuff and like acting off of one another in a really um, sort of fascinating and complex way that these two characters and what happens to them and how they change. These are two terrific lead performances played by two very good, you know, uh, you know, well-respected actors um, and a great supporting cast. You, you mentioned all these other amazing people. And the movie itself really is a compelling look at a lot of issues and big ones too, you know, uh, like money and race and, and, and heritage and all of this stuff. And it's done in a very entertaining fashion. I was really kind of blindsided by this one as well. And, uh, and, and I highly recommend it. It's playing in some theaters. It's also playing on Amazon prime. Uh, one of the bigger surprises of the year for me is how much I thoroughly enjoyed this movie on, on so many levels. Uh, and two lead performances that by actors that people love, uh, and doing what they do best. It's uh, it's it's good stuff. It's really really good stuff. And it's called the burial. Um, and again, it's in theaters, but it's also available on Amazon. Maybe so. not the best title, but good movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. it is. It, it, yeah. It, yeah, it's true. It's true. It it, it is a weird title, but uh, yeah. But didn't they? What was the movie last year that Amazon? It was Amazon too, and it was uh, 
Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke had to bury their their dad. What the hell was that called? Remember that? Oh, it was oh, Apple. It, yeah. it was the, it was was the it? two. They were like the brothers' well, names, names, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And the, but there was it. I mean, okay. I'm sorry. I thought burial was in the title, wasn't it? Or, or no? Maybe uh-uh. it was just. A, I, okay, no. I just like Ray and Ray, whatever. Yeah. Oh, Ray and Raymond. Yeah, Ray, Ray and Raymond. Raymond. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I just well because the plot is about them literally burying their father. That was the, yeah, yeah. That, was the right. that was the plot <laughs> of the movie. So I got a little confused, but the title was not that. Okay. Anyway, so don't let the title put you off. Really entertaining, very very good movie with a couple of great lead performances, um, and a, a really surprisingly terrific movie. So if you're not a Swifty and uh, you want to see something else, the burial <laughs> is out there now. The next movie doesn't open until next week. Eric, you've not seen it yet. <laughs> I have not. Uh, but, like, uh, we should probably... Now, I don't follow the film festivals or go to them uh, as much as you guys uh, as you guys do. I'm talking not, not the Chicago Film Festival, because I do to go to that one, and I do follow that one, because it's, you know, local. Um, but a lot of the film festivals that where you got to travel all over the place... Eric, you've been doing it for many years, and you follow all, the, all yeah. what's happening. And this movie we're about to talk about, which is a film called Faux... Um, yeah has been getting, like, really horrendous reviews, correct? I mean, all the festivals it's played at, the feedback has not been positive for this film. Yeah, I don't know how many festivals it's actually played. I know I, when I heard about it, it, what it didn't play at Toronto, which is where I was at, uh, but it, the New York Film Festival comes after Toronto, and I knew some people from New York who had seen Faux in anticipation of it playing New York, and they told me in Toronto, like, oof. That was their yeah. response to it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, I've seen it, and Steve has seen it. It opens on the. T- it opens a week from today, uh, in theaters. Um, and um, so, uh, well, so, <laughs> uh, so, so Steve and I have seen it. Eric, you didn't make it to the screening, um, but I wanted to no. talk about it since we're not going to be because we have a, a week. It'll. It, it, but by the, by the time we would talk next time, uh, Foe would have been out for a week, and it'll be go- uh, It'll be gone. So I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to mention it at least while uh, while we had uh, some someone who else uh, had seen it. So uh, Steve, tell us a little bit about Faux. I'll do my best. Um, right. So okay, so this is set in a near future world, uh, not actually that unlike what was yeah, going on in um, what's that? Twenty sixty five is when it is when it's yeah yeah yeah. So it but the the the, the situation is not. Uh, that different than what was going on. I've just blanked on the name on the Christopher Nolan movie. Um, Interstellar. 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 Yeah, it's kind of a similar situation where food is dying and everything's drying up and everything's dust and there's dust storms. Uh, So we meet these two characters named Hen and Junior played by Saoirse Ronan and Paul Meskel. Um, They live on a very secluded farm uh, that's been in Junior's family for generations. Uh, They have a very quiet life. Uh, which is thrown into turmoil when an uninvited stranger shows up at their door, played by uh, Aaron Pierre, um, with a startling proposal involving possibly sending Junior to space if he passes a series of tests that involve Pierre's character living with and observing the couple over the course of many weeks. Uh, the film is based on on a best-selling author Ian Reed's novel, directed by uh, Garth Davis, who did uh, most recently Lion and that uh, Rooney Mara, Mary Magdalene movie and many episodes of Top of the Lake. It's co-written by the author and the director. Um, I will say it's a really, I think it's a really beautiful looking movie. The imagery um, is really interesting. And I do, I do like that there are some questions about not just the nature of humanity, but also about what exactly are 
the ingredients of a successful marriage and an unsuccessful marriage. Um, and it in and it also gets a little bit into I don't want to ruin anything because there's like a big reveal at the end, but they like they kind of get into a little bit about because because it's you know a modern science fiction movie they get into ai a little bit too yeah that's in the trailer um, that's in the trailer by the way so. is it okay yeah, so anyway yeah. but that's that's a pod the, the okay i guess we can say that the the plan at least is to that while uh that while uh junior is gone they're going to leave behind basically an artificial substitute for him it's going to look like him it's it's going to spend time with him and get to know him so that it can act like it knows his thoughts. So and he is obviously not a proponent of this idea. He does not like the idea yeah. of yeah. leaving behind like this human dildo. And so he basically, <laughs> um, yeah. he, so, so he frequently gets into fight with this, this stranger from the space, from the government or whatever he is. Anyway, the, the, the the whole thing kind of I don't I mean I don't even know where to take it it just becomes like a series of dialogues and trialogues and like between like two or three characters lots of fighting uh, Paul Meskel's maybe needed to be reeled in a little bit here um, he's he's kind of out of control sometimes and for no reason but in the end um, there are these two really great performances at the at the center of this um, I would say go in for the performances but seriously lower your expectations about the overall film um yeah i i mean i guess and, and yeah this twist at the end is like i think it's i thought it was fairly predictable in some parts not the whole thing but in some parts i thought it was pretty obvious what was going on and i don't know it feels more like an acting exercise than an actual movie but that's with these two actors i don't mind that so anyway kind of mixed for me but uh I'm glad I went. I was with when I saw who was in it. I'm like, I'm there. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't need to be told twice. So anyway, yeah. And I, you know, I've been uh, after, you know, and when I heard uh, Eric, you know, Eric, when you said that, uh, yeah, all the response for this has just been really horrible. I was like, really? And then I was like, okay. And yeah. then I kind of lowered my expectations, despite the fact <laughs> that these two, that these two leads are two of my favorite actors currently working, you know, in the world, and they're both Irish, and I love that. So, <laughs> um. I just kind of lowered it, and I love this movie. <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought it was really great. Like, in fact, um, and as I've been saying since I saw it, I, I believe that this is this for me. It's this year's Amsterdam. Speaking of Swifty, uh, where which was the movie last year that everybody except me, well, and Peter, uh, uh, Peter Subsinski, who is a, a you know a colleague of ours, were the only two idiots that love that movie very very much. And uh, this, this this for me, foe is this year's Amsterdam in my in in my estimation. I thought this movie was great. I thought it was fascinating. I thought it. Um, uh, I love the fact that it that uh, what, uh, you know because they they're really sort of advertising it as this like science fiction movie. And in the trailer, they show scenes where like there are there are images of like spaceships and stuff, and uh, and making it really like sort of like oh it's a big sci fi movie. Well, the the images of the spaceships that they show in the trailer are about all they show in the movie. <laughs> in the movie because this is movie this is like a three person almost for the for a good portion of this movie it's just three people talking that's that's it it's they call it a chamber piece yeah that's it, is. it is that's exactly yeah. what it is and and uh and i've not read the book i must say that it's based yeah. on a book 
Uh, and our, uh, our friend Jim uh, Leskowski, who all three of us know, uh, Jim has read the book, and he loved the book, and he said, I can't imagine them trying to make this into a movie. And I've not read the book, and I, but I can understand why, I guess, based upon the results of this movie, <laughs> why uh, people are like, how the hell are they going to make this into a movie? And I guess a successful one, I don't know. Um, I was not um, – uh, I, I didn't really care about – like, and, and it, I really don't think it's a twist at the end, Steve. I think I, I was mm-hmm. on – I kind of I knew what was happening – during most of it, except they play with the timelines a lot in this movie. So they do kind of fuck with you on that. But ultimately, mm-hmm. what this movie is about is, do you know your partner? Um, uh, how, how well do you know the person that you're married to? And uh, what, why, why are we always, you know, like if you're I've been married a couple times. You guys know this already. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, and, and this is a great examination on the things that go bad during a marriage and how somebody could just say something and you immediately go, shut the fuck, or you get mad <laughs> at them. And it's, I mean, you don't have to be married to have that kind of thing. If you're in a long-term relationship or relationship at all, sometimes these things pop up. Uh, but they tend to pop up more when you are in a marriage. And, uh, the, the, you know, like there's a, there's a scene in the movie, like the, one of the, the first scene in the movie uh, and by the way, Aaron Pierre is terrific in this movie. He plays like the, mm-hmm. as, you, as you mentioned, Steve, he's the, the representative of the shady sort of government, CIA, NASA, whatever they are. It's kind of, un, it's, they don't really define who he is. He's the, yeah. he's the, he represents the government and, and what's changing. And, and, the, and the, you know, and the wedge between these two in this marriage, he represents that. Um, and there's right at the beginning of the movie, they're at each other's throats. Like Paul Mescal is jumping all over Saoirse Ronan. And I'm like, God damn, this is like three minutes into the movie. And then as the movie pro- progresses, um, you know, you see why these two are in the situation that they're in, what they once had, once they, what they still have, that there's a definitely a physical connection. And, you know, like they really are physically, uh, uh, you know, they work well together in that department. There's no problems there. But then you go, well, wait a minute. Well, what, who is this? What's, you know, <laughs> what, what's going on here? Because you kind of are, is this the real guy or is this the AI guy or what's going on here? And what, what constitutes a healthy marriage? And do I need to be married to a robot to be happy? And if I'm married <laughs> to the real guy, is it better if he acts like a robot? Do I, would I rather, you know, it's all of this stuff is brought up. There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie. And I think that there is, it's complicated. And I want to see it again because there was stuff in it that I was loving and they would cut to a different moment and change things around a little bit. I thought the acting is spectacular in this movie. Saoirse Ronan is incredible, and Paul Mescal is great. Oh, the three leads, the three people who have 97% of the dialogue and screen time in this movie, it's great. And the tension between the three and how you play with, you know, like, what is this guy Aaron Pierre doing? What exactly is his role here? Um, and how is it affecting this relationship between this married couple and What's going on with these two? I was absolutely mesmerized by the entire movie, um, and I loved it. I thought it was great, and uh, you know, and as a as a weird piece of science fiction, I think it works. It has nice little touches here and there that make it futuristic, um, that bring up brings up things that have been brought up in other movies. You mentioned Interstellar, and there are other films that have done this as well. But I think it had a, a whole new twist on it, and I think it's also an unbelievable, uh, accurate, and interesting look at marriage. Uh, in general, so and the tension that builds between two people who are married. I, I love the, I love this movie, and I think the director is great. I loved Lion, I you know, and I like Mary Magdalene. I think this guy's a terrific director, and his stuff at Top of the Lake is a great show, and he directed the hell out of those episodes. Mm-hmm. I think this guy's a terrific director. I think this is an uh, a fascinating movie with two with three great performances, and I 
thought it was great. So I just wanted to make sure that people didn't completely ignore it, uh, but they will. All right. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, man, yeah. I can't wait. Yes. Well, it sounds like the pretentious indie version of The Last Starfighter. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it's not quite that. But, uh, okay. but yeah. But, but I mean, I, you know, I, you know look, I, the, the, you know, those, two, those other two adjectives are, 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 I think, applicable. I guess I, some people are going to okay. find it pretentious. And, and it's certainly indie. There's no, and, then, and, it, and yeah. it kind of shows off its indie roots by, you know, doing the things that it does. So I thought it was great. And I know I'm in the minority on it. And I know that, like, people think I'm already people are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But I don't care. I really thought it was great. <laughs> So that's Faux. It opens next week. Make up your own minds. Uh, Steve was kind of mixed on it. Most people hate it. I love I, however, loved it. I definitely did not hate it. No, I definitely yeah. didn't hate it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, cool. All right. Well, the, the Chicago International Film Festival has begun two nights ago. And we've, uh, you know, the, the opening night was a film called We Grown Now, which um, features, by the way, someone who uh, uh, was in a movie that we just talked about. She, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Journey Smollett is in, uh, is in this film. Um, and she plays the main character, basic, well, not the main character, the kids are the main character, but she plays the mother mm-hmm. of uh, one of the main characters in the movie. Um, and it is a film uh, about growing up in uh, Cabrini Green in the early 90s. Uh, well, they already shown that, and uh, so we've skipped And I was not a fan of it. I know, Steve, uh, what did you think of it? You thought it was, you, th- you liked it, right? It was okay. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was all right. Yeah, and then, Eric, have you seen We Grown Now? Yeah, I liked it very much, Oh, actually. Okay. Yeah. All right. When does it I get really a re- liked it. When does it get a does it get when does it get released for It's it ju- it got picked up by Sony Classics. I don't okay. know if so I don't know if they're going to put it out by the end of the year, uh but they just they just before the festival started Sony Classics picked it okay. up. Okay. All right. Well, that was the big opening night film. It was at the Music Box. They had a big street fest out on the street on Southport there mm-hmm. and all that cool stuff. And then the following the movie that followed that is another movie that I wasn't <laughs> crazy <laughs> about uh that we've all seen i believe in that and a, and a good and a good a good friend uh a, a girl i've known for a very long time a chicago actress who uh is also a producer and, and now making her feature uh she's directed shorts before mm-hmm. but making her feature film uh directorial debut and that followed it and that was uh called uh, uh departing uh, seniors um and that was the second movie that was that played opening night and i wasn't crazy about that one either uh but but our good friend colin uh suter uh, a fresh-faced young actor named colin suter yeah. makes his mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and uh and i have to i have to I, I really do have to say this because i i watched it you know i watched the movie on a laptop and uh and i i didn't even notice colin at you know he shows up at the end and i i don't know if i'd zoned out by that point but colin was like am i did i make the cut and i'm like i don't know what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> But but Steve, you saw him. You you know. Uh, you, I saw you... him. He made the cut at the very. It's at the very end of the movie. But he also makes the cut in the end credits where they show um, yearbook photos of. I'm assuming the cast and crew of the whole movie because I also saw Claire Cooney's um, yeah yearbook photo. But he very much front and center. Colin has a photo. I yeah featured in the credits. So okay, <laughs> Eric, have you have you seen uh, Departing Seniors? No, I didn't. I, I pushed this one back uh, to to watch a burial and a couple other things. Yeah, so I didn't get okay. to see this yet. Well, it's it's. I'm it's, going to. I don't want to talk a, a lot about it because I didn't like it very much. But I know a lot of people that are involved, and I really like those people. So you should watch it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Well, now, so so let's start, Eric. What are some of the things that you have seen? Because you know a lot. Some of these that are showing. Uh, during the course of the festival, have played other festivals, and some of some of these movies you have already seen, and and uh, and I've seen a few as well. So let's just throw a couple of titles. Eric, what are a couple of things that uh, at uh, at SIF this this year that you uh, have seen that uh, that you want want people to see, or some other things you wanted to talk about? Yeah. 
Well, apart from We Grow Now, which I already played, uh, the two films that I would focus on that I would definitely put on everyone's radar, one is called The Teacher's Lounge, uh, which is, uh, I think it's a Danish story. I think I think that's right. Um, about uh, this teacher uh, and in the school, there's like a theft uh, and the faculty is trying to figure out, you know, what student might be responsible for this. And while this uh, teacher, and I, I don't have her, her, the actress's name with me right now, uh, but uh, she's kind of, she's got a very liberal mindset. She doesn't like the way the, everything's being conducted. And she ends up putting a camera in a place where the, the theft actually happened and she might actually catch someone doing a whole new theft uh and the way that it's confronted and then it's kind of put through the ringer it it, it sets her up to become the villain because of the surveillance aspect of it and, and who she accuses and everything and it's this just really unbelievably intense beautifully uh acted drama uh, that is just an absolute must-see this year. It's one of the best things I've seen with one of the great lead uh, performances that I've seen all year. It's called The cool. Teacher's Lounge. It's playing. Lounge, it's, I'm watching it tonight, actually. <laughs> it's playing. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's playing It's playing Saturday the 14th and Sunday the 15th yeah. at the festival. And again, you can check out the, uh, you know, you can check out all the, all the showtimes online. Uh, but yeah, so that's The Teacher's Lounge and it plays this weekend. All right, cool. Yeah. All right. uh, and the other one, I, 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 I might have mentioned this one before, but uh, our good friend David Desmalchin uh, is in a movie called Late Night with the Devil, and he'll be here uh, at the music box for it. And it's this really terrific horror movie uh, that's set in the 1970s. Desmalchin plays uh, a talk show host in the 70s and all the, like in the middle of Carson and all these other uh, shows that were on at the time. Uh, and he's trying to boost his ratings. So he ends up having on uh like this girl that was part of a cult that may be involved in an exorcism type situation uh and he also has on a, a guest who is like a debunker of these myths and the movie sort of takes place in real time as the talk show is being filmed and put together so we see some behind the scenes stuff along with what's being presented on air it's really funny the 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 production design uh is really fantastic you really believe you're on the set of a 1970s talk show and this david dismalchin is so great in this movie he's the lead is the lead in the in the film uh he's funny uh there's the, the film is scary it's funny um uh, and, and uh, you know, given we we just crap trash the exorcist this is the possession movie to see this week mm -hmm. it's called okay. late night with the devil it is absolutely and, fantastic all right and david's going to be there and the screening is sunday night um at music box um if you would like to uh, if you would like to partake and steve you've seen that film already as well right? oh yeah no it's terrific and and it's nice to see him play a character that's not like a weirdo or like mysterious yeah. or or just the, the bad guy or whatever he's playing it like as the most like square guy you know so yeah yeah okay. uh, he's great in it okay all right uh, uh it's one that i wanted to mention uh really quickly that i know that uh uh steve you were sitting next to me yesterday when we saw mm -hmm. this uh, Eric LaRue, speaking of Chicago actors and Chicago theater guys, uh, Michael Shannon directed this, and it features uh, people uh, and behind-the-scenes people from uh, the Red, uh, Red Orchid Theater, which is you know a, a, a great small theater company here in Chicago that Michael Shannon has been an ensemble member. And, uh, and God bless the guy and still continues to come back 
to not only uh, help keep the, the, the theater open with his money, uh, but also act and direct in shows, despite the fact that there are only 55 seats in the house. Uh, and he still comes back and does that. Mm-hmm. And that says, that's something, that says something about the character and dedication that Michael Shannon has uh, to a small theater company that gave him his start here in Chicago. And that, it's fantastic. So the movie's called Eric LaRue, and it is written by a Chicago playwright who I know. Um, it's based on a play that he wrote, and it's, his name is Brett Neveu. There's a lot of Chicago connections to it. There are some Red Orchid cast members in it. Judy Greer plays the lead, and it involves uh, the story. It's a story of a mother uh, and, and, and the father of a child. Uh, the father is played by Alexander Skarsgård, um, who went on a shooting uh, sort of a rampage. He killed, she, he killed three kids uh, with a shotgun and a gun. Um, and what happens, uh, you know, the, what happens in the, in, in, the, in the wake of all of that? Um, I was not a fan of the movie. I didn't think it was very good. I, I actually didn't like the play very much either. Um, I, I think the, all the performances are pretty strong. Judy Greer is always great. I just was not a fan of this movie. I, I just don't think the script is very strong. And, uh, and it's, it, it, it's definitely very actorly in the way it's directed. It's not a very, it's not a very good movie. But uh, the Chicago connections are huge. Uh, and that plays tonight um, at the music box. Um, and Steve, you saw that. And, uh, what was your, what were your thoughts on it? Completely, completely agree. I think it's weird that I liked all the performances and yet I didn't end up liking the movie. And that is that there is this weird sort of disconnect between each scene into the next one. Like they don't, the transitions are pretty like bare and not very interesting. I don't know. It, it and I don't think it really, maybe back when it was written like 20 years ago when it was new, <clears throat> yeah. um, it might have had some impact, but I feel like I've seen this done much better in other yeah. things. It's a indic- storyline. But this is a, like here's the thing: if you if if you enjoy this, then you'll like the way Breton of you writes, because um, yeah. this is very consistent in the style that he writes. And I'm not mm-hmm. a big. I like him. I've met him several times. And, and my old theater company, <laughs> my old theater company, actually did a play. Uh, they put up one of his plays. Uh, I've never been a big fan of his writing, uh, so <laughs> or his style. But there are a lot of you know, and there there are a couple of people uh, who are in this that I know. Uh, <laughs> who I think are terrific, and there's really there's some interesting acting going on. It's just not a, not very good, which is disappointing. Um, and Steve, was there is there another one that you wanted to mention real quick? Let me let me throw out the one I told you about yesterday, the space race. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah. is oh, a phenomenal yeah. documentary um, from Lisa Cortez. Um, well, it's, it's there's two directors, but Lisa Cortez is one of them. She had another movie out this year about the documentary about Little Richard that I think is phenomenal as well. Um, but this one is, I think, is even better because it not only gets into the basically the entire history of black Americans going to space, and um, but it it shows sort of how they like black Americans viewed the space race or like the initial space race and which they called the white stuff. And uh, so, yeah, it was, and, and how difficult it was to get, I mean, they had, there was a guy who was kind of a pioneer who they thought they thought they, he was going to be the first one. And then they just pulled it. Um, and then it was sort of, and then how much like Nichelle Nichols from Star Trek was a huge influence on a lot of black men getting into the space program, like wanting to be a part of the space program. And then, yeah. And it just goes from there. And then we start to meet like a bunch of guys, you know, even one who was on the challenger shuttle, like, um, or no, not challenger. Um, maybe the challenger. Yeah. Actually, I think maybe it was, but anyway, or one of the two that, that, what was the one that that like blew up on landing or whatever, but, um, a reentry. Yeah. That. So anyway, but the point is, it's like, it also gets into the the way that space was was treated by uh, the African American community 
in terms of like music and then so they get into like earth wind and fire and sun Ra and george clinton and i mean it's it's hysterical but it's also like a tremendous story i believe national geographic is putting this out so there's probably We'll get some sort of uh, theatrical yeah. release at some point, but man, I I, I strongly strongly recommend uh, checking this one. And out. Eric, you Eric, you've seen it as well. No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Uh, but okay. I, I I requested it. This is one of the ones I really want to see. Okay, well you, it's you Sunday. You will love it, Eric. Yeah. You will love it. Yeah. Sunday, <laughs> yeah. Sunday and Monday, it's playing uh, at the festival. If you want to see it, it's playing uh, on okay. the fifteenth and the sixteenth at the festival. Uh, and by the way, uh, really quickly, uh, we saw uh, Nyad. You haven't seen that one yet, Eric, right? You weren't at the... No, not yet. Uh, this one is, by the way, it's a, it's a Netflix movie, so everybody will be able to see it. But it's playing Friday the 20th. They're playing a week from today um, at the Music Box. Um, you know what? That actually might not be right anymore because online it says it's playing Thursday the 12th. So, um, yeah, they might either they moved it or they were wrong the first time or something. Oh, um, okay. Well, that, that but, was last night. But I think it's... Uh, I, my guess is that it's next Friday. I, it would be okay. my guess. Yeah. So either way, but you can catch it on uh, on on uh, Netflix. A tremendously entertaining, great uh, yeah. uh, movie. A, a really great movie with two incredible performances, where Annette Bening plays Diane Nyad, uh, the swimmer who um, uh, accomplished a lot, uh, but but always had this dream of swimming from Florida, from Cuba to Florida. Um, and uh, failed many times, uh, and then in her 60s decided she was going to do it again. And, uh, and her partner uh, uh, and her trainer is played by Jodie Foster. Um, it's a terrific movie. I, I, just, a, just a kind of an old-fashioned, crowd-pleasing, really uh, good, you know, sports, you know, good-feeling movie. But on top of that, two amazingly good performances by the leads. I mean... Jody, everybody, by the way, everybody in the movie is terrific. But Jodie Foster and Annette Bening are unbelievable uh, in a thoroughly entertaining, very moving, very effective mm-hmm. crowd crowd pleaser of a movie. And Steve, you were sitting next to me when we watched it. And I, I should mention the filmmaker is uh, J- the filmmakers, I should say, are Jimmy Chin and his wife uh, Elizabeth. And I would never attempt to pronounce her last name, but yeah. they have, they're documentary filmmakers that did Free Solo and The Rescue, S- some of the best documentary filmmakers around. This does incorporate a lot of documentary it elements it to it, and and yeah. you can see that that they love that, yeah. and it works like that makes it even better. I think so. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's a terrific movie. Yeah, it, it's interesting, uh, uh, Eric. When you see this, I can't wait till you see it because it's really mm-hmm. uh, tremendous. In addition to that, I mean, as you mentioned, Steve, they do incorporate a lot of like real footage and news footage yeah. from the past, so it does have a docu feel to it. And yet yeah. it is so thoroughly entertaining in every way. And I'm telling you, uh, the two leads, Jesus Christ, they're so, so good. Um, it's it's great. I, I really enjoyed the shit out of it. I thought it was The way terrific. they showed us what Diana Nyad is seeing sometimes, yeah. like underwater, even, yeah. when, even if it's yeah. not really there, sometimes yeah. is yeah. amazing. Yeah, and, by really... the way, and by the way, you know, <laughs> fucking Jodie Foster is in shape. Oh, yeah. my God. I mean, there's a scene where, like, like she's like she dives into the water at one point. And she's like she strips down to just like a sports bra or whatever. And I was like, God damn, she she looks like she is in unbelievable oh. shape, like <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, so and and so, and and net betting is fantastic as well. But but yeah, so it's it's uh, in every in every way possible, really terrific. Uh, a, a great documentary too that uh, uh, that is actually showing tonight, um, and that's Silver Dollar Road, uh, which oh, is a really yeah. powerful, amazing movie about basically about this you know these decades within this black family that are fighting to keep land that was basically theirs ancestral land that was theirs 
uh, and two of the guys got thrown in jail simply for not leaving the land that their ancestors owned. Um, a terrific, I mean, a really great documentary, and that's yeah. uh, called Silver Dollar Road. Yeah. Um, uh, Eric, have you seen that one? Yeah, no, I watched it right after the burial, so that was yeah. an interesting double feature. I mean, yeah, um, no kidding, right? Yeah, yeah it's Jesus an, it's Christ, an, it's infuriating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so those are both those are, those are great. But the one that I wanted to get to, uh, which actually opens in theaters in November and is playing, uh, uh, when is it playing? On uh, October twenty first, Saturday, October twenty first, um, at uh, the New City as part of the film festival, is uh, uh, is Poor Things. Um, which uh, we uh, saw. And uh, Eric, you, you, you care to really quickly take a, take a crack at this one? Uh, sure. I'll uh, give it a shot. Um, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, Emma Stone plays uh, basically a reanimated woman who she had committed suicide and she's brought back to life and by, by the way, this, this is the director, the director of uh, The Lobster and The Favorite and uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yorgos Lanthimos. How do you pronounce his last name again? Yorgos Lanthimos, Lanthimos? I think. Lanthimos, yeah, yeah, okay. Lanthimos, yeah. Uh, Who's, I think, one of the most fascinating, interesting, and ballsy directors around. But anyway, so so anyway, go go ahead. Emma Stone reanimated. Yeah, (laughs) and Emma Stone's reanimated by this doctor played by Willem Dafoe, who's completely deformed and scarred because his father used to run experiments on him his entire life. But anyway, uh, but he brings her brings her back to life, and she has the mind of a child. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, mm-hmm. And she just she as she's begins to develop and grow and her mind grows, uh, she wants to experience the world and she ends up uh, leaving uh, this house with uh, Mark Ruffalo, who's this lawyer, <laughs> this real debauched lawyer uh, who shows her the ropes and shows her you know, more things about sex and all these kind of things. And she just you're watching the development of a woman from a child's mind to an actual liberated person uh and it's uh, you know it's like a bride of frankenstein tale uh but it's done with an incredible sense of humor behind it uh i know it's based on a book but watching it i think yorgos is a very big fan of south park uh and it's just <laughs> I, it's just it's it's a remarkable thing and i I, for, I keep forgetting that yorgos did killing of a sacred deer yeah because yeah. uh, i think of all those other movies first and yet that's probably my favorite of his movies uh, I, and I always think that this guy, like, I always think that, like, his movies start out great, and they kind of end great, and in the middle, they kind of lag around, kind of trying to find things. I kind of had the same reaction to this one, too, though I definitely like the movie. I think Emma Stone is amazing yeah. in it, uh, and, and Defoe is fun, and Ruffalo's having a blast <laughs> yeah. in this thing. Uh, it's weird, it's funny, it's it's grotesque at times, uh, but it's it's definitely worth seeing. Yeah, I also think, and, I, and I, yeah, Steve, I want you to talk about your thoughts, mm-hmm. but I also think it's an unbelievable and uh, and, and surprisingly an incredible companion piece to ban- uh, to Barbie. A com- incredible <laughs> companion piece to Barbie. Like, it's kind of the same movie <laughs> at times. Yeah. It's like the same fucking movie, and, like, your Ken character is kind of Ruffalo. You know what I mean? It's, and I think it's just, it would be this great, it would be amazing to see these movies back to back, and, and, uh, and it, it will be, they will be seen back to back multiple times by me because they're two of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, Steve, Steve, what did you think of Poor Things? Uh, yeah, I loved it. The, the only thing I'm going to add is I could couldn't get it out of my head that I don't if they didn't shoot this thing chronologically I don't know how the hell they oh. did it because 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 you're literally watching it's mainly because of, of Emma Stone's dialogue is evolving as the film yeah. goes on and I can't if they shot this out of order I can't imagine them trying to pinpoint exactly how her 
language skills are evolving. But man, I mean, it is that's the thing I kept fixating on that and the just I mean, this is a easy win for I mean, I, I know everyone thought Barbie was going to win best costume. This is. Oh, yeah. Right up there with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my yeah. God. Yeah. I and mean, the costumes I, reflect her state of mind. Absolutely. Too, which is like absolutely. even more impressive. Yeah. Well, it's part of the story. Yeah, no, it's not just the. I mean, the costumes are amazing as well. But I mean, the art direction, the cinematography, yeah. everything about this is is amazing. Um, but and and you know, you mentioned Emma Stone. And for me, it, it you know, just give it, give her the Oscar. I mean, it's an yeah. un fucking believable <laughs> performance. I mean, literally, everything about her it, it evolves from the first frame to the last frame. It, it, it is a performance of such depth and progression and and like skill. I mean, not just the way she talks, but the way she moves, the way she, like her body, everything about mm -hmm. this performance is constantly evolving from frame to frame to frame. It's a fucking magnificent performance. I mean, the best performance I've seen by anybody this year. Uh, and God, it's good. And, 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 I, and on top of that, I just think the movie is grotesque and hilarious. <laughs> um, and Defoe is amazing. And Ruffalo is hilarious. <laughs> and... And I mean, the situations are great, and it's a it's a movie about. I mean, it really is deeply um, about life and about politics and about sex and about you know what what it's what it is to be a woman. You know, like ultimately from birth. I mean, that's what this movie tracks. It tracks the birth of basically a a, a woman in a woman a person in a woman's body who has to develop and live through the politics and the life and the drama of being a woman in society in this weird timeless place. You know what I mean? It doesn't. It doesn't tell you when it takes place. It doesn't. I mean, it tells you where, but even mm -hmm. those places have a very surreal quality to them. You know, like Lisbon doesn't look like that really. And uh, this, this is not this. This is not this universe. This no, movie. no, no, but, it, no. But but they talk about places. But they talk about places yeah, yeah. that exist in this universe. And there's mm -hmm. a great. You know, I, I don't know any cruise ship that works like this one does. I don't know. You know, like there was shit in this movie, and the, and the supporting characters are all great. I. I love this movie, and it is, it's going to, again, like, a lot, like all of his movies, except for The Favorite, which I think is the most kind of accessible movie he's ever made, uh, this is as weird as Yorgos has ever gotten. And <laughs> I seriously, as weird and as disturbing and fucked up as uh, there are stuff in this movie where I, even I was like, oh my God, did you go there? Uh, so, yeah, no, I think it's great. And it's playing on the 21st uh, at the festival, but mm -hmm. I, I, I think it's sold out. But anyway. <laughs> But uh, this is one that I will be talking about through the end of the year, and obviously, I believe. I mean, she's got to get nominated, right? Even if, it, even though it's weird. Yes. Be, mm -hmm. oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, look, if if you know, like uh, Olivia Coleman won for a Yorgos movie, so there's a chance. Even though this is much fucking right. weirder, much fucking weirder, and much twist, much more twisted, there's a chance that yeah. uh, that Emma will. Anyway. So anyway, uh, I loved it, and that's part of the Chicago uh, Film Festival, and you can check out ChicagoFilmFestival.com. For all of the schedule, or for all of the movies and all that stuff, it runs through the 22nd of um, October, and it's at different venues across the city, most of them at the New City at North and Clybourne in Chicago, and uh, some of the bigger events are at the Music Box as well. So make sure you mm -hmm. check it out. A lot of great movies. We didn't even t get to talk about a ton more, but those are some of the yeah. ones that are more interesting and, and you should check out. So ChicagoFilmFestival.com, October 11th through the 22nd. Um, throughout the city. So make sure you check that out. All right, the next time we talk will be... Uh, when is it the next time we uh, talk? It'll be the twenty seventh. It'll be the end of the end of October. Um, yeah. uh, do we get that? Is that uh, is that uh, that? Night of Freddy's. Yeah, that's right. That let's let the, the, the Nicholas Cage uh, movie that was based on. A, the, well, it's based on a video game. They're both based <laughs> right. on a video game, right? Mm -hmm. 
All right. Mm-hmm. So, and this is with the dude from Hunger Games, um, Josh Hutcherson. Josh yes. Hutcherson. Yes. He plays <laughs> mm-hmm. a guard at basically like Chuck E. Cheese goes crazy, essentially. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We got that to look forward to. All right. Uh, at some point, a lot of great stuff will be coming out, and we'll get to that. Uh, that yeah. will be happening at the end of the Eventually. year. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. All right. Uh, Eric, Steve, uh, you guys rule, and I'll talk to you next time. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later. Later. There you go. That's uh, Steve Procopi and uh, Eric Childress. And, uh, again, the Chicago International Film Festival is happening now through the 22nd, chicagofilmfestival.com. And make sure you you check out Poor Things. My God, Emma Stone. But it's really twisted and really gory and really weird, and you will be deeply disturbed. And and, and, uh, I don't know. I think it's one of the best movies of the year. All right. Anyway. Hey, let's get to it. Esmeralda Leon is here. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. the theme song by the one and only Jason Skaggs. And that means it's time for Esmeralda Leon. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? You know, I'm all right. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Yes. Um, You know, we just discussed, uh, Eric and and Steve and I just discussed the Chicago International Film Festival, which is happening now through the 22nd of October at multiple places, a few screenings at the Music Box, a bunch of them at the New City Theater at North and Clybourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and some really cool stuff and some, you know, some cool celebrities are coming in. Um, uh, one of them, I'm so excited, uh, Peter Sarsgaard is coming in. Ooh, fun. Oh, and I love him very much. <laughs> <laughs> are Not you going to gonna be... talk to him just yeah. like that? I am. I'm going to say I hi, love Peter. you very much. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to love it. He, yeah, he's, he he's will not gonna be... <laughs> uh, love you forever. <laughs> he will not call security at all. No. Um, <laughs> The, his new movie is being screened next week uh, towards the end of the fest, and it's called Memory. Um, mm. And he's coming to town to uh, to be there, and they're going to give him a special award for like uh, you know achievement in cinema and all the great stuff he's done. And I'm just going to walk up to him and go, "Hey, uh, Shattered Glass, best performance ever. Thank you." And then I'm just going to leave. <laughs> so. But no, it's going to be fun, and we were talking all about it. And um, you should check out the uh, some of the some of the movies, Esmeralda. I think there might be a few a few in there that you might be interested in. Yeah, for uh, sure. That you should check out. So anyway, that's happening. A lot of other stuff is happening. We're going to be at Zany's mm-hmm. on October 24th. And uh, yeah. I'm very excited because you texted me. By the way, let me give all the, uh, the the details to everybody in case they forgot, you know, when I gave them at the top of the show. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Nick D Podcast Live with me, Esmeralda, as your hosts, uh, doing some comedy, doing some interactive stuff. We've got Halloween candy to give away. We're going to be doing some... Uh, trivia where you can win prizes, including great dinners at the greatest restaurant on the planet, the Gale Street Inn, and gift cards at, at Apt Electronics. Uh, my dad is going to close the show by telling a couple of jokes, which is always the highlight. The wonderful and amazing uh, broadcast legend Andrea Darlis is going to join us live on stage. It's going to be a great show of comedy and all kinds of cool stuff. You can drink to your heart's content, have some food. It's fabulous. It's Nick D Podcast Live, Tuesday, October 24th, one night only, Zanies in Rosemont. Doors open at 6.30. Showtime is at 7.30. It's going to be a fun, incredible night. Me, Esmeralda, my dad, you, Andrea Darlis, laughs. We'll do some scary stuff and some Halloween stuff. We'll play back some scary uh, sound effects, um, like stuff like this. You know, 
that one of my <laughs> Frightening. That's terrifying, isn't it? I'm already scared. <laughs> it all starts at 7.30. Zanies and Rosemont, Tuesday, October 24th, the Nick D Podcast Live, one night only. Get your tickets now. Rosemont.zanies.com. Rosemont.zanies.com. And uh, you can call, too, at the box office. 847-813-0484. One night only. It's going to be fantastic. Tuesday, October 24th, Zanies and Rosemont. Now, um, you actually you t- tell everybody what you picked up because you sent me you sent me a text and said, "Hey, I was at Target and I picked this up and this could be fun." Yeah, tell us about it. Um, so you know how they've been doing, and I think it started with Harry Potter where they yeah. were doing all the the weird jelly bean flavors. Well, yeah, this the, one, what what the hell are the name of those beans? Uh, they have a they, oh, oh uh, shit. bots. Bots but it's something bots beans, yeah something. something yeah well there's butter beer which is different but then there's the right shit i can't remember but the, yes okay so go ahead so they they've done jelly belly has has taken it to a different a little bit different where they are now um selling you essentially like a little um i was gonna say game show <laughs> yeah. board game a board game uh, essentially a little board game so they have two flavors kind of like doing um you're playing Russian roulette here, right? Uh, you have two different, two different um, jelly beans, and mm-hmm. they can either be a tasty one or a disgusting one. Oh, uh, and it comes with a little, a little wheel spinny thing, yeah. Where you then, uh, you know, you spin, and they they tell you which one to take, and that could either be the good one or the bad one. So <laughs> it is. It's it's basically we're going to play horrifying, scary. Jelly bean Russian roulette is essentially what. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's the Halloween edition. So yeah. they're a little um, a little different than um, the regular one because they do have a regular, okay, uh, version and it's okay. called Bean Boozled. Oh, Bean Boozled. Okay, I like that. Mm-hmm. Bean Boozled. So we're gonna play the Halloween edition of Bean Boozled at the at the show. Yeah. So yeah. like they have things. So like in the regular one, it's like cappuccino or mm-hmm. liver and onions. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> you know, cool, cool. So that'll so, be fun. <laughs> yeah. So me and me, you and uh, you and and uh, and Andrea will play that. And uh, there, yeah, I think we can sprinkle it in throughout. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll mess around with that. So that's cool. That's uh, so bean boozled. We'll do a Halloween uh, edition of bean boozled and. Either it's a really tasty jelly bean or a disgusting jelly bean, and you'll find out yeah. by the expression on our faces when we bite right. into it. So, all right, or we be- just don't like cappuccino. Yeah, and well, that's love another- liver and onions. <laughs> you don't know, which is the case for me. Uh, uh, You'd be like, "This is delicious." Yeah, this what? is delicious. It's liver, it's liver and onions. So what? I like liver and onions. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so that'll be fun. That'll be part of uh, what we're doing uh, at Zanies. Uh, so get your tickets now. Rosemont.zanies.com. Eight four seven eight one three zero four eight four. Tuesday, October twenty fourth at uh, Zanies and Rosemont. The Nick D Podcast Live. So that'll be cool. And you know, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's right. Uh oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love uh, Nick. Hi. Car- oh, she's got a T-shirt on that says "Liver and Onions Rule." Oh wow, that was wow. fast. Yeah, she's always. I think you she know. just had that one. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, All right, and Carrie, I yeah. love right. Nick's show. We'll see you. In right. We always, you know, because we're close to Halloween. It is October. We need to hear from this guy. That will live forever too. Oh man, he just doesn't stop. Oof. Doesn't stop. <laughs> hey, Blood by the way, farts. by I'm the assuming. way, somebody sent me. Uh, a, a notice uh, on my social media or sent, sent it to me, messaged it to me, and involves this. Gentlemen, 
Michael Bolton. So Michael Bolton or Steven Seagal? No, I know. <laughs> That's good. I should clarify, right? I should Which clarify. One? Uh, of uh, Michael Bolton, it should be. Uh, oh, uh, okay, okay. And, and and because you know, you and I have followed him worldwide on his tour. Right. right. Well, he I, apparently he's coming. Shit, I don't have it in front of me. Apparently, he's coming to like Waukegan. We might want to check his schedule because he's like coming. Uh, yeah. So that's in that's next year. Yeah, it's like March. But I guess we got a plan. Yeah. Yeah, but the tickets went on sale, and one of our listeners was was like wanted to make sure that we knew. That uh, tickets. Of course on. we know. Michael Bolton. Those tickets went on sale. So uh, of course yeah. we know. He <laughs> told us about it personally. Don't you remember him talking about? It? He's like, I'm going to come to Illinois. I don't know where. Yeah. Like, go to Waukegan. Go to Waukegan. You'll enjoy Waukegan. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all right. Uh, well, anyway, our, our one of our subscribers was like wanted to make sure that we knew but we know all of michael bolton we know every one of his moves we follow him everywhere we are um honestly i mean we're waiting in the wings that's already we watched the show yeah (laughs) we're not sitting in the audience we've got to buy tickets are you kidding me michael bolton would not allow that no he would not not at all because otherwise it would be this (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. okay that's a scary Mm -hmm. guy right there all right Okay, well, Halloween is getting closer. We'll do some Halloween. Play- oh, wait, we do have to. I have to play this. One of one of the singular joys yeah. of of when I worked with you, Esmeralda, was I always got to see you. You were in the traffic hut when we worked at the mm-hmm. uh, at the at the car wash, and I could watch you on a on a monitor, which was in the studio, and I could see you on the monitor. And every time I would play this. You would dance. You would be I'm doing it now. Yeah, you were dancing around. So <laughs> I would always. It's kind of you know even that like beginning that doom 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 yeah. doom doom. It's like ooh. Catchy as hell. Oh. It's catchy as hell. So. Uh, <laughs> and that's why they all died. That's why everybody dies in that movie, and everybody does die. I mean, in that that's movie. kind of the you know you get something catchy, people will pay attention. Yeah. And you can you can do whatever you please. Kill that's right. them. You, you tell them that, things, you know. <laughs> yeah, tell them to wear a mask and sit in front of the TV. They'll do whatever you want mm-hmm. as long as you have that catchy mm-hmm. Silver Shamrock tune playing. As long uh, as you got a hit song. Yeah, and that's a hit. <laughs> Boy, it's it, I mean the the journey that that movie went on Esmeralda is amazing because when it first came out everybody except me hated it. And then um now people, you know, there's a big cult following, people now love it. It only took like 40 years for people to realize how great yeah. it is. So <laughs> That's Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, by the way. It's from Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. So, um, A lot of people try to watch a horror movie um, a night during this month. You know, they want a lot of people yeah. are like, I am going to watch 31 horror movies in the month of October. Have you been watching any? We were talking a little bit about this. Have you been um, ju- jumping I into some more scary stuff? Did I watch Did I watch them? Was that October already? I don't remember. The last time we spoke? it was already. Yeah. No, the last time I saw a a horror movie, I can't remember. (laughs) Oh, the last time you saw a horror movie, was it that long ago? It was preemptive if I watched it last month or this month. Okay. Either way, it counts. Okay. And they all count. All horror movies, whenever you watch them, it counts. It counts. Uh, And it makes your your life better. It's Halloween for that time you are watching. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, for the way. Yeah. By the way, Google, I was just Googling things, and Google has a little thing with ghosts. Oh, what does that mean? They what like they... I don't know. They just I would I I I uh, Googled Halloween. Yeah, I was slowly trying to write Halloween three. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Um, and then all these little cute ghosts popped up. 
And there's a little um there's like a little cat ghost. Oh. Ghosts with with sunglasses. So <laughs> they cool just float ghosts, up and then they disappear. Because they're cool. They don't have time for you. They've got their sunglasses on and they're cool. Right. Oh, they those... seemed busy. It so looked like they you... were going somewhere. <laughs> they busy ghosts. That, uh... <laughs> it just looked like they were on their way to something. <laughs> they had a hef- they had a hefty ghost agenda that they could they couldn't be, yeah. couldn't be bothered. So basically now, if you type in Halloween on Google, you'll get yeah, some, you'll get some ghosts and, and ghost stuff. Up. Oh, yeah, that's cool. There's a little button. There's a little button on the bottom that you can keep yeah. bringing them up. Oh, cool. They're little cutesy ones. All right. Oh. So, so if you want to see some cute little ghosts and some cats and all that Halloween imagery that we all love, just Google some stuff on Halloween and you'll see that. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, you know who's uh, um, who is who is a, is associated with Halloween is like you know the Buffy the Vampire Slayer lady, uh, yeah, Sarah Michelle Keller. Yeah, we were discussing Buffy the uh, Vampire Slayer lady. Vampire Slayer lady. Yeah, we were discussing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, we were at the music box. Uh, uh, my girlfriend uh, Julie and I were at the music box, and we were talking to some of the, some of the people from the music box um, about Sarah Michelle Geller. Mm-hmm. And that we loved Southland Tales. Um, and she's it's like my favorite Sarah Michelle Geller performance of all time is in Southland Tales. And um, and then we were discussing like some of her movies that, that we liked. And I, of course, said besides Southland Tales, because I was never a big Buffy guy. Mm-hmm. Um, besides Southland Tales, for me, it's all about uh, Cruel Intentions. Which I love. Yeah, she's which, great in that. I, I love that. I love that movie so much. And it's my favorite telling of the dangerous liaison story. That's my favorite mm-hmm. of all of them. Now, you like Cruel Intentions, right? Yeah, it's a great movie. Oh, it's so good. Well, the reason I bring up uh, Sarah Michelle Geller is because I was looking at this article where um, actors and actresses are brought up who are normally considered really good, but they have one thing that they're not good at or one sort of mm-hmm. annoying, annoying trait that they do. Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought I'd bring this up and see if you agree with some of these, okay? Um, we just mentioned Sarah Michelle Geller, who we both, uh, you know, uh, I love in Southland Tales very much, and we both love in Cruel Intentions. And overall, I like her. I mean, she's always going to be Kendall in All My Children for me, always. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like when she when she got Buffy, when she got Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I'm like, wait a minute, that's Kendall. She's Kendall the Vampire Slayer now. She's always going to be Kendall. Kendall the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Um, that's what anyway. they were gonna call it and then they <laughs> changed right. it they were, uh, and the, all, the, all my children people went after him and say you can't call it Kendall the Vampire Slayer <laughs> but no that's what I that's the thing that I remember most that I like the most about Michelle Michelle Geller is that she was Kendall she'll always be Kendall from all my children um, which is ridiculous but anyway <laughs> uh, here's what they say that Sarah Michelle Geller is a strong actor with solid emotional range but she also has the fakest and worst laugh ever now have you ever noticed Oof. that about her I haven't I'm trying to now. think if I've uh, heard her laugh in a movie. <laughs> she laughs in Cruel Intentions, but evilly, because she does like all kinds mm. of, you know, like kind of evil shit. So that's in a, that. Yeah, that's like a different yeah. laugh. It's not her normal, her, her regular, I'm a regular lady laugh. Yeah, her, her, her slayer lady laughs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> her slayer lady laugh. So, but apparently she has like, I, I'll have to look out for that. So next time you see Sarah Michelle Geller in something, if there's a scene where she is required to laugh, it's going to be uh, fake and weird, mm, according, according okay. to this. All right, how about this one? Seth MacFarlane. Okay. Um, his, voic- his voice acting is quite hilarious, and he has great timing, like when he does the voices of 
all the stuff that he does on all his shows and as Ted, you know, great voice work. Mm -hmm. But when he's acting live action, he loses the spark. He's too self-aware and he's bad. Um, I've actually never seen him in any of those movies that so he's never, done. No, never, no. I mean, well, you've seen Ted, but that's, he directed that, but he's just, the, he's the voice of Ted. Right. He's a bear. <laughs> right. Now you, did you watch him host the Oscars? Do you remember when he hosted uh, the Oscars? I don't remember. Yeah. No. Uh, not good. <laughs> How about, uh, do you remember uh, when he, he hosted SNL? Mm, no. Yeah. I might have um, skipped that one. <laughs> yeah. So you're, lo- but, and then he's in that Western that he made with Charlie Stern, the t- m- yeah, 8 million ways. Seen... To, it's, t- it's, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it. It didn't look, yeah. I was fine. Yeah. I, no, you, what I, I saw in the trailer, I was like, I'm good. I think this. I think this article is completely right. Like he is, you know, to to watch him like perform is kind of annoying. But the voices that he mm-hmm. does are great. Obviously, the stuff he does yeah, on yeah. Family, family Guy and and Ted, great. But I agree with that. Well, I think you know it is a different way of acting. Oh, completely. Because one, no one's looking at you. Right. Right. So you can really be silly and really do whatever when you're voice acting, versus him having to be on screen. Yeah. And he probably, I don't know what he's, you know, he usually plays, it seems like he usually plays like very like cool guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, he usually writes stuff for himself where he's going to write stuff that's cool. You know what he's I mean? He's a cool guy. Yeah. Now, now I, um, I think, I, now we're, I don't know, you're, you, you're, a, you're, a, you're, a, you're a lady. So is he uh, attractive to you, Seth MacFarlane? Uh, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, I think he's, a, I think he's a pretty handsome dude, and and yeah, he's a good looking dude, and so he's a good looking dude. So that carries him a little bit in movies. It's like, well, at least he's good to look at, you know. <laughs> I'm assuming, yeah. yeah. And then he's got the voice. Yeah, he's got that like deeper kind of voice, so right. that probably helps. Right. But yeah, if he can't really, <laughs> not a terrific do the actor. visual bit. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard. But I will say this: he's very entertaining on talk shows. Like, um, I love him particularly. Well, I love everybody when they're on Graham Norton because it's the best show ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he's he's been very funny, I, you know, because Graham Norton lets people really go and have a good time. Um, but yeah, he's, yeah. he's entertaining on that. He didn't do very well at the Oscars and he didn't do very well on Saturday Night Live. And he's not a very good live action uh, actor because he has to act. Yeah. Not good. Graham Norton. He's just being himself. Exactly. God, I love Graham Norton. He's the best. Okay, how about this one? This is now this one we all I believe know and we've talked about. It's become like a cliche of this actor. Intense confrontations in movies. Harrison Ford Ford always angrily points at people. I didn't. I've I oh now Google I that. Noticed. Google that as well. Google Harrison Ford pointing at people. Yes, yeah, Google Harrison Ford pointing and watch what happens. I tell, I'm telling you right now, more ghosts are going to fly out and go, holy shit, he points a lot. That's what's going to happen. Even says, the ghosts are like, he yeah. does, he points a lot. It says, it says here, so often he ends up looking like a pissed off dad scolding his kid, no matter how or who he's angry at. So if you Google anger, yeah. uh, Harrison Ford angry pointing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, got a lot of. I didn't realize it. That's Every crazy. movie almost. Every movie, like seriously, um, every movie. And I'm looking like 10 stills right now from 10 different movies where he looks very stern or angry and he's pointing. <laughs> yeah, I never noticed that, huh? Isn't that crazy? I, I guess I haven't really. Yeah. I don't pay that much attention to him at, well, you know, when he's acting. Oddly, he's not pointing when he says this. 
get the fuck out of my house. So he, he, he was, he's not pointing when he told David uh, Blaine to get mm. out of his fuck, to get the fuck out of his house. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right, how about this one? Colin Firth. We all know Colin Firth, right? Everybody mm-hmm. loves Colin Firth. Mm-hmm. He's, okay, he's very, very British, and he's an outstanding British actor, but don't ask him to do an American accent, especially a southern one, a southern one, because he sucks at it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I, I guess I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Uh, what, I guess what, there's no. I mean, there's no proof. I'm going to assume because no, I'm looking. There are like, pictures ah, in in this article. There it. are pictures. There's one where he's clearly, you know, like in Pride and Prejudice or something. He's wearing like a very mm-hmm. billowy costume. And the other one, he's got like suspenders on. and He's yelling. And so they, I guess he's doing a southern accent. <laughs> I mean, he usually plays British people. He does. Yeah, he's usually Mr. Okay. Darcy. Like everybody remembers him as Mr. Darcy in the sense yeah. of sensibility. Oh. And he won the. I don't he, think, yeah, he, he I don't won think the, anything's not British. Like he's no, always he's British. Always British. I mean, in, in Bridget Jones' Diary, he's British. Uh, in mm-hmm. um, uh, in he won the Oscar for playing uh, the King's Speech with the speech in Pedro. Yeah, he, played the, the, yeah. He, yeah. he was British in that. Um, but I guess he can't do a Southern accent. And I can't. You know, I don't know where this picture is from, but apparently he's not very good with the Southern accent. So mm. stick with the British stuff. How about this one? Jim Carrey is an artist. Uh, who is good at almost everything except crying. He's terrible at crying. Like, it's embarrassing when he cries in movies. Um, again, so, I can't really, I don't really... Well, the picture that they're showing here, they're showing two pictures. Yeah. They're showing one from the uh, Showtime uh, series that he did a couple of years ago called Kidding, where he was a stand-up comedian. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and he cried in that, and I thought he was fine. I thought he was actually fine. And the other one that they show, that he, they say that he's bad at crying at, it is a really heartbreaking movie and a beautiful movie, um, Eternal Spotlight of the, or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, and he cries a lot in that, and I think very convincingly. So I don't agree with this. Yeah, I, I would think I've seen that movie a few times, and I would think if he didn't... You would notice. I would. Yeah, yeah. you'd notice. Yeah. You'd yeah. notice. They would yeah. take you out of the out of yeah. the movie. I would think. Yeah, absolutely, uh, hmm. absolutely. So according to according to this, he's bad at crying. But in the two stills that they have, as and he also cried in um, uh, Truman Show, and he was great in Truman Show. Uh, hmm. No, so this is wrong. This is fuck this. That's wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Sorry. Now I'm curious. <laughs> do they have um, Claire Danes on there? No, she's not listed. What, what's okay? So, what's your issue with Claire Danes? Her oh, crying. The, oh yeah, her. She just has the ugliest <laughs> cries. Right. That's right. Just hideous. Do you remember the uh, the the when uh, Anne Hathaway hosted um, um, SNL one time and they did a Homeland uh, a parody? Oh, did they? <laughs> they did a Homeland parody, and uh, Bill Hader was dressed up like Mandy Patinkin, so he had the beard and he was talking like this, you know. Um, yeah. And he's like, oh, no, oh, no, she's crying again. And they cut to Anne Hathaway, and she's, like, ugly crying, like, like really doing the... <laughs> and oh. she's doing the... <laughs> Claire Danes just, whoo, it's some <laughs> ugly crying. Like, I first, I remember seeing when she did um, Romeo and Juliet, because at yeah. the end, she's there in the tomb with him, and he's dead, and then she's crying. <laughs> it's just the hideous yeah. crying. I was like, yeah. good Lord. Oh, and that's a movie that you've seen <laughs> repeatedly, too. So you, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, there okay. she goes again. Ugly we'll add, crying. We'll add that one to the list. Claire Danes, terrific actress, and she is a terrific actress. I've loved her since. Yeah. Uh, I've loved her since um, uh, my so-called life. I've loved her since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she cried mm-hmm. on that show. Now I got to remember whether she was ugly crying or not. 
Because you know, Jordan, Jordan I think Cat, that's kind of how she does it. I guess so, ugly yeah. cries. Ugly cry. I guess Jordan, but Jordan Catalano will make you ugly cry. He will. Um, Probably, so. yeah. Okay, so Claire Danes, ugly crying. How about this one? Arnold Schwarzenegger is the epitome of a badass action star, but he makes the most distractingly awkward, half-moaned, uh, weird mouthing when he screams. So, like when he, when he, whenever he screams, <laughs> like his mouth is what? in. A, say his, that it's again? like a, it's like a half-moaned scream, is what they say. Moaned scream. So I'm looking at the. You remember in kindergarten cop when he goes shut up when he yells at the kids. To yeah. Come. And then I like mean, yeah, he, they are kind of. I mean, he yells like raw. Like he does. He does. He does it the weird. Really... And they also have a picture of him um, in the chair. Uh, you know, like uh, being shocked in Total Recall when he's in the chair. Like, and he's yelling about that. And yeah, that's just. I don't know. I just thought that was. <laughs> You know, well, they're pointing out how weird he looks, by the way, when he screams. That's it's just he looks like a weirdo. Mm. They get, his mouth is yeah. like weirdly shaped. His eyes are bugging out. And uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that so. I can I can I can okay. picture. Shut up. When he's yeah, <laughs> usually. Yeah, he can't really change that. I don't that's, think. Yeah, no, no, that's just his face. He can't do anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. All right. Well, how about this one now? This one I'm taking personally. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is a great actor. He just can't get rid of that Southern accent anytime. You can hear it in all of his roles. I mean, he's like Colin Firth. <laughs> he's never not. Right. He's all I mean, right, all I'm, right, all right, and everything. Yeah, yeah, I feel like anything anything he's done, there yeah. is no backstory of that couldn't explain being Southern. Right. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'm fine with that. He can do whatever he wants. But okay, southern that southern drawl is in there all the time, no matter what he plays. So that's a, uh, and he always has I mean, to. It's, it's like um, uh, what's it, Sean Connery? Right. Yeah. <laughs> he right. Was, right. Right. Uh, he was exactly. defying it by playing people who uh, shouldn't have. Well, I mean, he's Russian. He's Russian in the Hunt for Red exactly. October. Exactly, with a Scottish accent. Exactly. Like, okay. And nobody questioned it. Do you see how they cast him and they were just like, I don't even know if they asked him if he could stop it. No, they don't care. It's Sean like, Connery. Say whatever. Yeah, you're Sean Connery. Say whatever you want to say. All right, how about this? Um, and I agree with this, unfortunately. I do. And you know how much I love this man. We both love this man very much. Mm -hmm. uh, Keanu Reeves. Mm. Um, he can do action. He can do comedy. He can drama. He's a terrific uh, actor. We all love him. But please don't ask him to do accents. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, yeah, watching watching <laughs> the uh, Dracula. I know, man. <laughs> I know it's rough. It, it's <laughs> you, yeah. Especially when you like him, and you're just like, oh, Keanu, I know. Uh, me too. Because uh, yeah, because I love ooh. him too. You know that we love Keanu, and like, and mm -hmm. like, you don't want to watch like like uh, like Dracula is 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 a little rough. Um, uh, much ado about nothing is rough. Is rough. Um, also, like, why do they keep hiring him to do these roles where he has an yeah. accent? They I also mentioned the first one. They'd be like, mm, let's not do that. They also mention uh, Little Buddha in this one. He doesn't speak a ton in Little Buddha. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, what he does has a bad yeah, accent. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like Dangerous Liaisons, as we mentioned. He's in that. And uh, that's not uh, very. And, and they mentioned Devil's Advocate, which is actually a movie I really fucking love. Uh, but he's oh, got a. Does he have an accent? It's southern. Yeah, it's southern accent. It's not, is it? <laughs> yeah. All it right. is. I'll have to re. I've watched that a few times. I don't oh, I love that movie. 
I don't yeah. recall no, it's, him having an accent. No, it's Southern. Well, it's, it's supposed to be Southern. Oh. It's supposed to be Southern. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I don't, wanna, I don't want to make... Let's move on, because I don't want to make fun of Keanu anymore, because I love him too much. <laughs> oh, Keanu. Uh, how about this one? Lord has a great voice, and she's a great songwriter, but she really needs to stand while she's performing, because when she moves, it's weird. <laughs> oh, she's just an awkward lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm not, I, I guess I don't know that, uh, very much. Right. We have, I've really seen her. Yeah. I mean, I've perform, seen her, I've seen her so. perform, but I've never really took note. Of, I, I've never said, wow, she really moves strangely. I've never noticed that before. <laughs> so, but according to this, she, she moves very weirdly when she sings. Mm. So, mm-hmm. all right. How about this? Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Um, Leonardo, now you might know this since you've watched Romeo and Juliet 17,000 times. Um, Romeo or uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's angry face is just not good. The Academy Award winning actor can portray many emotions except anger. His go to move is to either clench his teeth or extend his jaw like a nutcracker. <laughs> um, yeah, I can see that. I'm thinking I'm thinking more specifically um, basketball diaries. OK. All right. I can I can see that. Uh, well, nutcracker the... clenching. The, the clips that they Look. have here, the clips that they have here. Well, one of them is 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 Wolf of Wall Street, but on Wolf of Wall Street, he was on fucking coke. They they did a bunch of yeah. They, I think that's just drugs. Yeah, yeah that that's drugs. drugs. That's that's drugs. Uh, doing it. They got a picture of him from in the Revenant, uh, with mm-hmm. the with the with the teeth sticking out in the clenching. Um, uh, they also have a uh, a picture of him from um, uh, the what, what the 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 Tarantino the slave uh movie the uh, Django. Uh, Django, Django Unchained, yeah, but but the one from Wall Street is the most pronounced. But that's when he was on all kinds of dope. <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be like hopped up on stuff. Yeah, so. he's hopped up on go-go juice. So that, uh, yeah. But so. yeah, I do. I have seen it. Yeah, okay. like I said, specifically Basketball Diaries. You see, okay. <laughs> when again, but again, he is technically hopped up on drugs. Isn't he also? Uh, he's he's hopped so. up on go-go juice in that movie too, isn't he? Yeah. Uh yeah, well yeah. I think it's heroin. Heroin. It's not heroin. <laughs> There's not a lot of go-go juice in heroin. Sorry. Right. <laughs> does the opposite. It does the absolute opposite of go-go juice. Uh, heroin does. Okay. All right. Well, the clenching of the teeth or the extending of the jaw like a nutcracker. That's his uh, weird thing. All right. Mm-hmm. Now here's one where you really, I guess, have to make note. Rihanna. Okay. Um, okay. She is a gifted singer, and her presentation is almost flawless, except for when she winks. When she winks. Oh, I have seen that. Oh, wait, you noticed like, that? <laughs> I saw some clip. Someone someone posted a whole like thing of her trying to wink. Yeah, and, and both eyes, both yeah. it's a blink, yeah. It's really a blink. I mean, it kind of winks, but it's not, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's got their, right. their problems. <laughs> if that's the, if that's the that, that's one of your biggest problems. Like she's right. great, beautiful, yeah. great singer. She yeah. just can't wink. <laughs> she can't wink. That's all. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so, but yeah, I did. See there's like a, uh, like a whole super cut of her. So, okay. So there. <laughs> so that one you that that one you that one you you've seen before. All yeah. right. So Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio's got a bad angry face. Uh, Rihanna can't blink. Keanu Reeves can't do accents. Lord shouldn't move. Oh my God, that's terrible. <laughs> Wait. Oh yeah. <laughs> just be seated. Right. Just be seated. Don't Matthew, move. Matthew McConaughey is always southern. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger looks like a weirdo when he screams. 
Mm-hmm. Jim Carrey mm-hmm. can't cry. Colin Firth can't mm-hmm. do a Southern accent. Uh, Harrison Ford points every time he's angry. Uh, we should only hear Seth Mar- McFarlane and not see him. And Sarah Michelle Gellar should never laugh. That's what we've... That's what we've yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody's got their strengths. Right. And their weaknesses. <laughs> oh, speaking of weaknesses... Actors, they're just like us. Sink your teeth into that. Uh-oh. Look into my eyes. Mm. Oh, gotcha. brother. Okay, those are those are some weaknesses right there. So we got there. Yeah. Uh oh. Wait a minute. Now here. Now, by the way, we will play this in its entirety on October twenty fourth, Esmeralda. Ah! Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. we will. Yeah, we will. Ah! <laughs> so. <laughs> ah! So this is going to be. Uh, ah! I wonder how many people will run ah! for the exits. Ah! They'll be. Ah! Fr- yeah, they'll be so scared. They won't know what's happening. They'll be like, there is a man ah! in fear. <laughs> This is when they. This is when someone is presented their tab at the end of the night. That's when <laughs> yeah. This is a. This is a, a whole night's worth of this, a tale. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So and then he accepts it. I feel like at the <laughs> yeah. end it's just like accepting it's... whatever. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, that'll be played on uh, October twenty fourth, as if that's some sort of enticement for you to. <laughs> Yeah. Show. <laughs> Hear that um, live, folks. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering how Andrea is going to respond to that. I don't know if Andrea's heard it. I'm, I think she has. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, all right. Well, all that'll be happening. Plus uh, the uh, what's it called? Bean? What's it called? Beans? Bean? What? The bean jelly bean? Boozled. Bean boozled. Okay, bean boozled. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll play that on stage. We've got some really cool. I got some uh, googly Halloween scary Halloween eyes to give away that are candy. Um, that we've got uh, dinners at Gale Street Inn, and we've got apt electronic uh, uh, gift cards to give away, and tons of laughs. My dad, Andrea, Esmeralda, me on stage. The Nick D Podcast, Tuesday, October 24th at Zanies in Rosemont, 7.30, rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now. Uh, Esmeralda, you rule, as always. Oh, thank you. And Jim Ryan will be our guest on uh, Tuesday. Lovely. He's the best, and we'll talk some music, lots of concerts. I went to a couple of concerts, uh, and I'm actually going to one this uh, this weekend that we can talk. I'm going to see. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I am uh, going to see uh, Lucinda Williams um, at the Riviera uh, uh, tonight. In fact, so uh, we'll talk about that and more music with Jim Ryan, and all that is uh, coming up. And again, Esmeralda, my thanks to Eric Childress and Steve Procopi. My thanks to you guys for listening. If you would like to, uh, hey, be a sponsor on this podcast, join everybody else who's going to be sponsoring us as well. Uh, it's sales at radiomisfits.com. Leave a voicemail message. We listen to all of them and play them back. 773-417-6948. Drop us an email anytime you want. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the themes and the sounds. Ed Silla is my main man, does everything else. Please share this, like us, uh, share it, rate and review us on every platform. And check out my other podcast, which is my SNL podcast. That show hasn't been funny in years. All at the Radio Misfits uh, Podcast Network. So thanks, everybody, and we will see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. The wind is red on me.